It's Mock Draft Monday, and the Chiefs are pulling out all the stops to get what they need for the 2023 season and beyond. Today on Locked On Chiefs. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back, friends and neighbors. I am excited. It's Mock Draft Monday, and I didn't pull the trades. We're going to discuss what Chris set up for this scenario for the Kansas City Chiefs in the 2023 NFL Draft. This is going to be fun. We appreciate you making us your first listen. If you would check out another Lockdown show for your next listen, we're all part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for free on YouTube and every audio platform. Go get liked and subbed over there. Make sure you get the episode as soon as it drops. We very much do appreciate it. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics and Performance Consulting, home of the Athletic Matrix. You can get that now at rogueapc.com and use that code LOCKED23 to get yourself a nice discount. The draft guide is in preparation, and that is coming as well. You can also find my work at NFL 33 and RGR Football. And I'm Chris Clark from Chiefs Corner. There is a lot to talk about when you start looking at this draft and really how it played out. Uh, I actually liked a lot of what I was able to get done in this draft. It took me a couple of tries to maybe make the trades that I wanted to do uh, to start with. But I, once I got it figured out, I, I really enjoyed it. Always a challenge, the trades, man. That, that's a lot of fun. Um, we have to set this up is that we are only on function with what we know now, the current state of the, the roster as it sits uh, here over the weekend, but just before you guys see this. So lay it on me. How'd you start? So I started a little bit different than I would have thought, but uh, I was able to make a trade and I was able to make a trade with the Detroit Lions to get up to 18. Ah. Um, One of the things that I thought was very important when you were doing this is looking at positional value. If you're going to trade up, you're going to go for a premium type of position. I know that they've been talking about uh, Taylor going to left tackle. I'm not sold that that was what he was I still don't think, based on the way he said what he said during his interview, he is going to be the for-sure left tackle uh, for the Chiefs on day one. So that is the lens I was taking with this, and that is why I made this trade. Hey, hey, hey. I like to see that. Well done, because I have tried to to be in position to select this player because I really like him just as smooth as Paris Johnson's workout just was at Ohio State. I still prefer Brodick in terms of the upside. So I really like what you did with the selection. I haven't been able to pull off this draft. So walk me through. What did you do? You swapped first and swapped seconds? I did. And so I moved up, I moved up in the first and I moved up in the second. And yes, I did give up a second in 2024. Ah. But if you're moving up 13 spots, you're going to have to give up a third plus other picks, if not a second, to move up that far. That's just the reality of what it was. Kansas City, I think, paid a third and a fourth to move up to 21 from 29 last year. So a second round for the next year is more like going to be more like a third round pick because Kansas City is likely to be picking in the 60s again in 2024. So in my mind, this gets you your left tackle, the future and Broderick Jones. It gives you a cost scenario where you are going to be paying him minimal for the next five years uh, because you're going to have a fifth year option on him. And I think that this is a great deal for them. Well, and let's be clear, too. Let's take it back to the Mahomes trade, right? The Chiefs moved from 27 to 10, 17 spots. And, yes, it was further than this up into the top 10. So you get a little bit more bonus on top. But they had to give up a first round, a third round, and a one the next year. Mm-hmm. So you were able to to get this. And I think this is a viable scenario for 
for the Lions, I think because they have number six, I think this makes this uh, within the realm of possibility. Is it likely? Yeah, I don't know. It all depends on what the Lions general managers think. But I think moving up twice and, and giving up a second for that is definitely worth it. The sevens, I think you got great value for. And then you were in position. Um, I'm not sure how this first round fell overall, but was Broderick the last tackle left on the board at 18, or did you have a choice to make? So I did have a – I do believe that I had a choice to make between him and Anton Harrison, and I went That's with Broderick in the – yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I could, and I get what you're saying, and I kind of tend to agree with that a little bit as well. Uh, here is a look at what the, how the first round dropped, uh, came out. So Skronsky went at 11, Paris Johnson mm -hmm. went at nine, and then Anton Harrison went at 25. Yep, and that makes Arnold sense. Wright went to 27. Right, and and that's that makes perfect sense. There are only three guys in the top tier. Skronsky is one of them. A lot of people like me, I've moved him to guard on my personal board. That's not how we're rating it, Rogue Analytics or NFL 33. But for me personally, I am more comfortable with him at guard. So that really is a top tier of two at the tackle spot in Paris Johnson and Broderick Jones. As much as I like Darnell Wright, and I like him just a little bit more than Anton, um, they're nearly identical in grades, but I do see a little bit more uh, smoothness and athleticism in Darnell Wright. So I have him slightly above him on my board. They are they are right there neck and neck, but they are clearly a step below, a tier below Broderick, Paris, and Skaronsky. So I, I think you made the right decision. I think it's really interesting that um, as I've had Darnell above Anton for the last, I don't know, nearly four months, now teams are starting to come around to that, or more importantly, media are starting to hear from teams that are coming around to that point of view as well. Well, and Anton Harrison, according to PFF, is actually ranked higher than Broderick Jones. I don't know that I agree with that ranking, but uh, I I went with my gut and I went with Broderick Jones in this one. I think that he could play left tackle for the Chiefs for the next 10 years. And like I said, the biggest thing here and the reason I made this trade is because there's extreme value having your left tackle on a rookie contract for a very long time. And it balances out the money you had to give to Jawan Taylor. Yep. Whether that had ended up being two years ago, if it ended up being Trent Williams, if it if this season ended up being a trade for Tunsil, if it ended up Orlando coming back, it was all going to be well, somewhere around that 18 plus per annum, right? Yeah. And when you're sitting here looking at this, if you get Broderick Jones to be a top 15 tackle this season, you have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, if not close to one of the best off or the best offensive line in the NFL. If, if he gets to top 10 by next year, I think you could be looking at the top offensive line in the NFL with Juwan Taylor at right tackle. Well, and then you're also, it's it's all well and good. Paying two elite tackles when you're talking about 40, 45 million per year to have a, a tackle tandem is one thing. Having the rookie be part of it makes that half. You're talking 23, 24 at max for your tackle tandem. And that's attainable, attainable especially when you have Tooney already on there, drawing a pretty hefty salary and you have Creed and, and Trey coming down the line here. Yep, and that's like definitely it. something you have to take in, into account as Creed and Trey are going to be coming right behind. Yeah, and, and that's the part of team building that always has me the most fascinated and is always the trickiest. I think there were some interesting selections here that you could have made. A couple of other guys on the board. I'm glad you went the way that you went. I'm really happy with that, folks. Let us know what you think in the comments and in the reviews on, on Spotify and on Apple. Um, when we get back, we're going to go through what happened next in this scenario. And I think it's intriguing and very much a possibility. I think you did what Brett Veach likes to do 
We'll get to those moves, including those trades, right after this. But right now, the heat is on in the tournament for the NCAAs, as well as you know the NBA is rolling in a number of other sports. If you want to get in on the action, right now is the time with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, they're giving new customers the deal, a no-sweat first bet with up to a 1,000 bonus dollars back in bonus bets on your account if your first bet doesn't win. All you got to do is go to NFL.com, I'm sorry, FanDuel.com <laughs> slash locked on and get into the action. Sign up today for that no-sweat first bet. And you can wager on everything that you want, whether it's it's trays in the tournament, offensive boards, who actually cuts down the nets, whatever you're looking for, you can roll that up if you need to into a parlay as well. Maybe even make your payout bigger. The app is safe, secure, and easy to use. It makes your life easy. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet with up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. I want to make every moment more in the draft. So just before you go to the other screen, I just do want to point out that had this not worked out, if Roderick had not been available, and like you said, he was the last of the top tier uh, tackles. If he hadn't been available, you had Jordan Addison there. You had Brian Branch there. Number one's on my board at their respective positions, although I think there's going to be a change on the wide receiver board. Stay tuned for that, folks. Deion Banks is a really interesting corner. Obviously, the Chiefs have a ton of talent. So probably wasn't going there, too. Folks are going to be intrigued by the fact that uh, Zay Flowers was there. A lot of folks like his fit in Kansas City. I do as well. I just don't have him as a first-round talent at this point. So, interesting breakdown. Where did you go after the first round? Well, I also want to say that if Roderick wouldn't have been there, I probably would have taken Anton Harrison because I still think that left tackle is a value there, and I still think that you could take him in 18 and still feel okay about it. Okay. Maybe a little bit high, but – yeah. Left tackle is so important if you can get that position right. And he's a young kid that's going to be growing into his ability to play. So I think that also plays into it. Now, when we started looking at, when I started looking at how I was going to build this out, remember I got the 55th pick uh, instead of the 63rd in the trade. Uh, I thought it was important to be able to move up in the second round because the reality is, is that when you're drafting at 63, you're more than likely drafting the guy that you have a third round grade on. If, if you're that lucky, even, um, could be that a lot of those guys have already gone. So getting up to 55 gives you a chance. And I was really hoping that there was going to be a guy that maybe could, you know, slot in here as a pass rusher. And the guy I was really looking at uh, was Felix from K-State. And I'll let you say his last name. And Duiko Ozama. Yeah, there you go. Uh, He went off the board, I think, at 53. Oh, that's terrible. See, and that's the dangerous part of making a trade. Just like in the first, if you had gone off and Broderick wasn't there, you're kind of stuck, right? And then maybe you try to trade back, maybe you don't. So what did you end up doing there when Felix goes off the board two picks before yours? So then I'm sitting there looking at wide receivers, and the value I didn't see there wide receiver either. So I traded back with the Cowboys, 258, thinking maybe, you know, I can get a fourth-round pick and, and see what I can go. It's a nice move. You move back three spots and got 129. That's that's a good value. Yeah, it was. Uh, and it didn't get me still where I wanted to be. So I moved down even further, and I went to 66. Now, this one was a little bit different. I, I didn't want to really want to go down that far. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it ended up working out for me. I didn't feel too horrible about it. So at that point... I took Cedric Tillman. Okay. Wait, that's with pick 73. How'd you get to 73? Uh, There must have been another pick in there that it doesn't show. Oh, roll down one more. I think I get it. 
Oh, there you go. You did one more trade. You went from 66 to down to 73. You picked up 104 and gave up 166. Again, a nice, I mean, 62. That's nearly two full rounds of moving up one of your picks. I like that. Again, compressing. If you have to trade out, compress into those middle rounds in between 80 and 120. I like that. And now now you're getting to where you have so many picks in the top 100 almost. I mean, yeah, you're 104, 105, but you're still really close to being in the top 100. Right. Uh, And I think there's a lot of value usually in that draft because that's where you're usually wanting to get into those top 100 players. So, And that's um, what's really interesting about those two as well is those are just outside the comp picks. Those are the top of the fourth round, right? So as the board resets – you can then re-strategize on day three of what's left. And being at the top of that round actually lets you, I think, go get the guys that you want. Even though you lost a fifth, you moved up, whatever, you have more control at that point. Well, and I wouldn't put it past Kansas City looking at this situation and going, okay, we're at 104 and 105 and taking one of those picks, packaging with a fifth or sixth and seeing if you can move up a couple of spots to go get a guy if you think he's not going to be there at the end of day three. Or sorry, at the end of day two. I like it. Okay, so overall, love the the tilt. Sorry, at the end of round two, I apologize. Not not oh. day two, not day two. Yeah, I'm with day you. two is round three. So. I do the same thing. Um, I like the the Tillman pick. I I like Perry as well. They're a little bit different player. I think both of them could come in and play a role, uh, different, but at least aligned with what MVS does in terms of being the bigger body type guy. Uh, I like them both. Tillman had a, a less productive last season. Uh, because of some injuries. So I, I think the medicals are fine there, but you got to make sure that you're happy there. Uh, but I like either of those guys. And so you've addressed two of the top needs. You tried to go edge, and that didn't happen with Felix. I don't know if you had another player that maybe slipped away as well, but it, at least we're we're getting down that line. And what you've managed to do here is take two top 75 picks. I like that. You've moved down. And now if I read it right, it, you have created two – no, we still have we still have a third rounder coming at 95. And you have one, two, three, four, five picks in the fourth round now. The top of the rest of the guys, the developmental guys. I like what you did there. So tell me what we did in the third round, and then we're going to get into day three. So at that point, I'm still looking at edge rushers. And I didn't like Henry. My I could have taken Henry, obviously, at 55. Didn't like him there. Sure. Didn't like him at 63 or or 66. And I just didn't think that the value was there. So I traded down and was able to get Henry at 95, which as an edge rusher, he gives you an opportunity of another guy could step in and start. And I think that's a good value there. Yeah. KJ is a toolsy guy. He's got all, all the things you need to be successful in the league. He just hasn't put it all together. He is just slightly older. I want to say he's going to be 22, uh, maybe, maybe approaching 23. Um, but he's been a leader on that Clemson defense. I know they've had a struggle the last couple of seasons since Trevor Lawrence left. That's not on the defense. But this is one of the other guys I like to call them. There's a couple of tackles in Wanya Morris, uh, as well as uh, another tackle that plays opposite the star. That's uh, Warren McClendon. You're going to hear me talk about him on day three coming up, uh, if not today, in the next time I do a mock draft. And KJ's the guy that plays opposite Miles Murphy. And so you, you don't get the flash because everybody's focused on Murphy. I do think there's upside here. I like what you did here. That is a well, and, pick. And the other thing that I really liked about this is this gives you the three top positions that we feel like Kansas City is needed to address or needs to address going into this draft, tackle, wide receiver, and edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can make arguments that you could have gone different directions with all different uh, of those positionals. But 
you fill three of your biggest holes in this draft. So yeah. that's what I liked about it. I, I agree. I think that's a good start. And like I said, you've set up day three to be incredible, folks. We're going to look at what the fourth round is because the Chiefs own about, I don't know, 30% of it right now in this scenario. We're going to get to the fourth round of this mock draft right after this. All right. I like it. You have maneuvered the Chiefs to have a ton of quality picks here at the top of day three. And honestly, for a Super Bowl roster, if you address the gaping holes, the big things that you have to have that for the future, not necessarily this season, I know many of you feels the edge role for now, but you got to have a, a path forward. Now you can take the best players that you feel have a chance to develop into guys that can contribute. And that's where we move on to in the fourth round. Where did you go? So in the fourth round, I went with Carl Brooks from Bowling Green. Ah, the phenom. Very popular guy. Not super huge. Uh, I want to say he came in at 6021, if I remember correctly. I don't know. I'll pull that number up here in a second. But he is an undersized, much like is the trend this year with Tommy Adeware, uh, with Kalaja Kansi, uh, guys that are under, undersized but uh, penetrating pass rushers. Gives you the pass rush. Now, he's aligned on the edge. He's not explosive enough to play edge in the league. He will come inside on pass rush downs. I nearly guarantee it. They might try it from time to time because he's got the experience level. Um, that might be a preseason experiment, but he's definitely got upside in helping specifically on passing downs. And I like what you did there. Was there a decision to me there? Because you had back and forth here at 104 and 105. Uh, I didn't really find any big positions. And uh, from what I'm finding, he's listed at 6'4", 303. So... Carl? Yep. Oh, I'm going to have to go back and double check that. I thought he came in at 602 and 3. But, hey, I can never be certain. There's too many numbers floating around. But either way, uh, I, I do think he's best inside. Maybe that's uh, something we're going to have to see. And maybe that comes down to Joe Cullen and what well, he can do. And that was one of the arguments is that maybe you, this is a guy that you could play much like a minihue in a lot of ways that can crash down inside on passing downs. Or this is maybe the guy that is normally playing inside that goes outside. I mean, you have you're going to have some of those guys. This gives you another guy that you can throw in the rotation to give you some kind of pass rush. It may not be the best, but it gives you more bodies that you can throw a pass rush and keeps them fresher, which I think is important. Yeah, for sure. I, I like that concept and getting in there. Uh, let's see. That was at 104. Okay, so now we come back to 105. These are these are picks. What six and seven? Yeah, of I think the, that's right. of the fourth round. Okay. No, wait. So that have to be more than that. It's even higher than that. So these are right at the top of day two. I'm sorry, day three in round four. Okay. Correct. So where'd you go right after Carl? More defensive line. Okay. So you're filling in the defensive line. Give Chris as much help as you can. Some with bodies, some not. So what attracted you to Kobe? I think he fits what Kansas City wants to do. And I think that when you look at what they've added, so they added, they brought back Derek Naughty. They also brought back two guys that have basically been practice squad players in the past couple of years. Uh, and so I don't really think they have that great depth at defensive tackle. Uh, by going Carl Brooks and Kobe Turner, you add depth to that line and you give them the ability to have guys that can step in and give you uh, good snaps, which is what you're going to need. And it gives you youth at that position. And, Quite frankly, I like Derek Nottie. I like what he's been able to do. I'm glad that he's been here. But if one of those guys pushes him out, I don't feel so I don't feel horrible about it. Yeah, I, I can understand that. I mean, that would be that would be well earned. A guy that's been in the league and been competent, if he gets past 
that means that that player that passes him has a significant upside right in front of him right now. So I think you're in a good position there. Uh, 6'3", 288 for Turner. I think that that really fits what Kansas City is going to be looking for. Um, He's got the leverage. He's not so long, but he plays well inside. And and I do like what he brings to it. At the end of the day, uh, he played at a lower level. This is, I believe, uh, ACC at the end, but I I think he spent some time even even below that. Reminds me in terms of the story uh, of where uh, Tano Passanio came from. So I, I do like the upside. Again, an undersized, better leveraged player to play inside, especially in the AFC West. I like what you did there. So then if we move on, we go back to Zach Koontz. I kept looking, <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. I, I do think that this is a, a position that Kansas City needs to address in the draft, and I know I took Koontz the last time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kept looking to try to find a tight end, really starting in the third round, just trying to see if there was somebody that I thought could be a value. And it kept coming back to – they'd be going right before I showed up at a pick. So uh, I ended up going with Koontz again at 122. Um, Not great value on PFF's board. They ranked him at 125. I still think that he is an intriguing prospect and can give them another young tight end. I know they just re-signed Blake Bell, but Blake Bell is a a blocker. And I know you're not going to want to say this, Ryan, but a lot of people, and and I also wonder, is this going to be what they're going to look at as, as opposed to having a fullback going with Blake Bell? Yeah, I don't want to see it happen, but it's certainly within the realm of possibility because I think what you've seen, particularly with Blake, is that they trust him on the sneaks and those short yardage situations. And honestly, they went away from using the fullback in that role last year, other than just straight dives. And there's no reason that if that's all you're going to use him for, if you're phasing it out of the offense, again, I hate to see it, but it could be the reality and maybe that's the direction that we're going. And quite frankly, if you look at it that way, Maybe they can't carry five tight ends. I don't expect it, but yeah. maybe they could because you're sitting there. You had four tight ends on the roster for a lot of the season last year, plus a fullback. If if Blake Bell is going to be basically your fullback, you could possibly go five tight ends. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly within the realm of possibility. Now, Koontz is an interesting guy. Obviously, he's the top tester in this class. He is enormous, six foot seven. I think he came in at 701, yep. so an eighth as well. Hey, you, you got to list it for everything that it is, right? Uh, not a prolific pass catching machine, 88 catches on his career uh, for under 10 yards per reception. That it, it sounds like that's a great number, right? But in terms of, of relativity to the rest of this class, even Darnell Washington, a, a guy that is very similar to him, averages about 17 yards per catch. Uh, now, Coons put up seven touchdowns in his career on par with, say, Luke Schoonemaker, um, on par with uh, Leonard Taylor. N- Obviously, well below the the Michael Mayers, uh, Kincaid. I think I put put up just as much. No, no, I think he's a little bit behind Mayer, but you know, not up at the elite in terms of that. But I also feel like he's a guy that hasn't scratched the surface. So as well, I looked at him more, I, I, I think that you're justified in still being intrigued with him. Well, and here's what really catches my eye when you look at Coons, and I'm sitting here looking at his at his stats: four five five in the forty. That's not horrible. He is a little bit older. He's transferred a lot, but a wingspan of 83 inches. His catch mm-hmm. radius is going to be huge. A vertical of 40 inches. Talk about red zone threat. Talk about what we've been wanting Jody Fortson to be. This guy could be it in that sense. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And like I said, folks, go check out at RogueAPC.com. The, the FN Matrix is out. Kuntz is TE1 in the Matrix in terms of overall athleticism, even at that 
six foot seven height. Yeah, it's crazy how tall he is. So then we keep we keep moving on, and in this scenario, you're looking at <laughs> one of your guys. You want to put a one B behind Isaiah Pacheco? This is your guy. He's been oh. in the role before, backing up Bijan Robinson. He's powerful, and he's got really, really low mileage. What stands out to you about him? Quite frankly, I, I looked at this, and I kept looking for value at positions. And running back just seemed to be sitting there, and, and they haven't addressed it early in the in the draft, and I don't expect that they will this year. Maybe they look at a fourth or fifth rounder. I know they found Pacheco in the seventh. Maybe they go back to that well and try to find somebody in later rounds. But to me – you have to find another guy that could complement what you have in Pacheco. And even if you want to bring back McKinnon, you're still going to need another running back. And I don't think that's Clyde anymore. Agreed. It doesn't, it doesn't appear that they're going, they want to go that direction. They didn't have him active in the Super Bowl when I think he offered more than Ronald Jones, uh, at least from a perspective of being able to catch the ball on the backfield and do some of those types of things. And they went with Ronald Jones instead. So, to me, I think that they're probably going to be looking for moving on from Clyde in this play. In in this scenario, Rashawn Johnson gives you another guy that, as you said, has low mileage as a running back because he played this, beside behind Bijan Robinson. Well, let me throw a couple of stats at you because this is this is where I think you can really make the differentiation. Bijan is a top ten talent in this class, just flat out. His position knocks him down for me, but a lot of teams will tell you that he's even higher than that. Top five, some teams have him, right? But when you make the comparison, he clearly is is elite and, and is right up there with the elite running backs of the last five classes in terms of avoiding, uh, of forcing missed tackles. He had over 100. That's impressive. Jameer Gibbs is widely considered the second best back in this class. I happen to agree with that. And honestly, folks, he reminds me, he reminds me of a little bit thicker Jamal Charles. I, it just, there's too much there for me to see to not say that. He only forced 38. You come down the list. Devin Kane, Zach Charbonnet, both 53 forced uh, missed tackles. Tank Bigsby right in there at 61. Kenny McIntosh at 45. What do you think Roshan has? Uh, somewhere around 50, maybe. I don't know. He's right at 46. He's with... All of the second tier in terms of nobody's Bijan, but because Bijan's shadow is so big, no one's keeping an eye on Roshan Johnson, who I think is just as good as any of the guys that back him up, except for maybe Gibbs. Well, and funny enough, I just saw a mock draft that had Gibbs going to Kansas City in the second round, which, in my opinion, has no chance of happening. But it's just the value. It'd be a nice fit, but it's just the value. Oh, man. Yep. All right. So uh, four in the fourth. Agreed. I like it. Yeah, so now you're sitting here and you have filled basically edge. You filled defensive tackle. You filled wide receiver to an extent, and you filled tackle. Uh, you also added a tight end from a very strong tight end class uh, and another running back. So where really is left open at this point? I think that at this point you're looking more of guys that can contribute in special roles or on special teams. Mm -hmm. So in that mind, Ivan Pace Jr. There you go. And I went this I went this route because Kansas City needs more coverage type linebackers, and I yeah. think that he can play that role. Now I don't have his matrix in front of me. I believe uh, it was incomplete when last I looked, but he's, he's a 5'11", 230 linebacker. Like he's set up for speed, right? 
And I want to say that in coverage, he had a pretty good knack for getting his hand on the ball. Had a couple of picks in college, but I th- no, I'm sorry, it was not. It was three PBUs though. Um, and, and I do think that he's a guy that can play special teams for you. And he might be able to grow in a role, especially when you have Willie Gay Jr. and Drew Tranquil on here, guys that, that can play pass coverage. I think there's upside there. So that makes a nice fit in the room for me. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, at this point, you're looking at mostly a roster that's pretty full. So you're looking at other ways you can fit guys in. And Kansas City is going to need a fifth linebacker. To me, this is the this is why I went that direction. And if he can add pass coverage of ability that's going to be a bonus so agreed agreed and the final pick of the draft at 178 so you've taken this team from 250 up to 178 in terms of its bottom selection yep i like where you've gone um now i don't know who else is left but go ahead because and the reason i went this the reason i got rid of those picks you and i have talked considerably both on the show and off the show for that matter they're not going to have that many rookies on this team unless they're replacing veterans that they already have that they like and they get amazing values they're not going to have that many rookies so to mm-hmm. me you're going to need to continue to get higher rated prospects and giving up some of your later round picks and some of those numbered selections for higher quality players is what you need to do yeah i, I like it it, it gives you the opportunity to get guys. Maybe you lose a little bit in total volume, right? But you're, you're making higher quality selections for fewer spots that you can see on this roster. It makes a lot of sense to narrow your options. Now, what took you to, to Jalen Moreno Cropper? What I like Cropper played at Fresno State with Jake Hayner. For those who don't know, um, another undersized. I think he weighed in at like 177, um, six foot guy, but was really the focus of their offense. In terms of the passing game, what what made you like him? I just looked at wide receiver, and I think it's a position that they could double dip in. And this is kind of where I focused. Uh, 5'11", 172, four four forty is not horrible. Nope. Um, obviously, it's not a burner like you know four three or four two like Tyree Kill or McCall Hardman, but still pretty good. Um, to me, you, you start looking at different things when you start looking at these guys, and I think even if he isn't able to step in and be a starter this year, which I don't think that you're really even probably looking at Tillman being a full-time starter this year. Uh, Maybe he can be a guy in three years that could develop into somebody, but he's also going to give you speed and ability to play special teams, which is going to be necessary at the wide receiver position. They have to be guys that can play teams. Absolutely. I I like what you did. And when you look at his, his actual dispersion of where he made yards put up uh just over just under 1100 yards this last season right uh 275 of them so you know 27 ish 25 percent of them were deep yards 20 plus uh yard routes gotta love that right in terms of what he did in the slot he put in a 242 so another quarter of it screen yards came in 145 so he can do a little bit of everything like we always talk with Andy Reid receivers you got to be able to play all three positions you got to be able to stretch the field and attack the field in different spots Moreno Cropper can do that and I, I'm trying to emphasize Moreno Cropper because I usually just call Jalen Cropper and I always drop the first half of his last name so apologies well, and I'm sitting here looking at different strengths and weaknesses, uh, different you with different scouting reports. But one of the things that I really liked about Marina Cropper is snatches the ball out of the air, which means he goes and gets it. How mm-hmm. many times have we seen wide receivers in Kansas City wait for the ball to get to them? Yeah, uh, that's a big problem. 
But one of his weaknesses, I think he's in a good position to be able to to figure out how to do this well in Kansas City because of some guys that are already here. He needs to have a better feel for sitting down against zone coverage. I think that that's something that Kansas City can help him with. I happen to agree. And I'll go a step further with you because he's got one unique trait in this class that the Chiefs have used quite a bit in the past. If you're looking to keep Kadarius outside, if you're going into this right now and maybe Tillman fills that spot like you got way up in the in the second round or third round, whatever it was, um, maybe you do, maybe you don't. But if you have Sky, Kadarius, and MVS as your top three right now, who's really doing all, all the work that is the, the change of pace type touches, right? You should be working down the field, crossers, everything you can do with those guys as receivers. Moreno Cropper and Puka Nakua from Utah, I'm sorry, BYU, uh, are the two guys that have the most rushing touchdowns in this class, five apiece. So you can hand in the ball. It's another guy that can do the jet sweep type stuff. You can attack different ways with him. And I think that just adds another variation to the offense. There you go. I, I think that when you look at this draft overall, I, I... – I have to. I felt very good about it just because you're sitting here. You've addressed the biggest needs. Tackle, I think, is still one of the bigger needs. Whether it's left or right, that's a question that you can answer. Cedric Tillman gives them an X type wide receiver. I think that that could. I don't think he's going to be a day one starter, but I don't think that. Generally speaking, unless they go up and get a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba or somebody like that who doesn't fit that X role necessarily, I don't think they're going to be day one starters in an Andy Reid offense. So Get you. uh, you're, you're looking at working him into the offense. And I think that he can be somebody that brings a lot of value in day two, you know, uh, looking at the end of round three or toward the back of round, well, the middle of round three, really. And then you get a couple of edges and interior defensive line. Uh, this is one position, and you and I talked about this at, at length earlier this offseason. This is a positional group, edge and defensive line in general, that Kansas City needs to re remake. Yeah. This gets them going in that right direction. And I do see this as much like the corners were last year. If you throw a bunch of darts, guys that you like a trait or two, like they did with Jalen Watson, seventh round pick that you liked a trait and he was able to round out through coaching. This is something where you can see the defensive line kind of mushroom like the corner group did last year and really bolster up the foundation of that unit underneath Chris Jones. Well, and the bigger thing that I really like about this is that you're in a situation where you have a mini who for the next two years, you have Carl Loftus for the next four and if you bring in K.J. Henry in the third round, you've got him for four years. If he's able to develop into a decent pass rusher, you're in a great situation there. And then you also you still have Mike Dana, who is going to be a free agent, I think, after 2023. So something to look at there. But you've got two, you've got three edges that you feel pretty comfortable with. You still maybe don't necessarily have a speed edge type that you would want to get. But you're in a pretty good position, which Kansas City hasn't been in a great position with their edges for a long time. Yeah. I, I it, it's all an investment. It's just when you choose to pull the trigger on that investment. So let us know what you think. How do you like this draft, this scenario as it's shaping in here late March? We're talking a month from now. We're talking about the draft pulling off. Is this a scenario you think survives? We'd love to know your opinion in the comments here on YouTube, in the reviews on Spotify and Apple. It's been fun. I love mock draft Monday. And I honestly, I love being able to talk about guys that I didn't have to select. So cheers. <laughs> I'm sure you enjoyed that. And I know you liked Roger Jones in the first. Thank yeah. you all for listening today. Be sure to check us out. We will be back five days a week. So we will be back tomorrow to talk more about this Chiefs team and catch you up on anything that's been going on over the past couple of days. Have a good one. We'll talk to you.